It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another evening of motorsports conversation here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. We kick things off with a stock car show. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media. I am joined at a full round table. We have maxed out the Race Chaser studio tonight. James Pike to my left is back from across the pond. For those of you who haven't heard James's voice on the program, because, well, you're fairly new listeners, James has been with us for a, a few years now, but he is uh, he has been overseas doing some studying and um, getting what your master's is master's degree in public relations and um, came back and graced us with his presence for just one night. So those of you listening tonight, you are lucky because this is one night only James Pike in the studio. Good to have him back uh, to my right is Don smile from Smile Marketing, and um, Don is going to talk about not only what he's doing in the motorsports marketing realm, but we're going to have some conversation about the business side of the sport. We're going to talk a little off-road, too. We don't get to do that too much on this program, but uh, we're going to talk about that as well. And straight across from me at the round table is Tyler Dipple, and Tyler has been playing musical chairs this season musical driver seats maybe. yeah in the uh, nascar k and pro east series uh we've had to have a program to keep up but uh we think he is now finally landed somewhere where we we know where he's going to be for a while and we're going to let him tell us all about that here in just a minute and of course beating on the buttons behind the glass is jacob sealman who is also a co-host doing double duty tonight as producer of this here program that means we literally have maxed out every possible microphone setting on this yes yeah we we actually we are all in tonight so you are in for a treat but wait there's more uh jesse love gonna join us via the telephone and if you don't know the name jesse love you You will will soon (laughs) jesse is a 13 year old from california who is, when I say he is a rising star, you can take that one straight to the bank. Jesse is definitely a driver with a huge future in this sport. We're going to talk to him a little later on in the program. Right now, however, I'm going to give each of our guests who are in studio a chance to say hello. So we'll start with uh, Tyler Dipple. And Tyler, welcome back. You are the only driver... Uh, who has now a dance move named after him in studio. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what dippling is, maybe you'll hear it later on. Um, but uh, we're, we're glad to have you back. And uh, you got some news here that you've just broken about uh, your situation in the k and Pro East. Talk about what's up with you. Yeah, well, first off, I'm super excited to be back. Thanks for having me back on tonight, guys. Yeah. You're always fun. But, uh, yeah, some really exciting news. You know, we're uh, – bouncing around since the parting ways with red jones racing after new Smyrna, and we've just been trying to find a home you know we uh raced with chad bryant racing mdm motorsports and uh as of right now we found a home for the rest of the year with dgr crosley racing so i'm i'm really excited about that i mean 
racing this weekend at Langley, going to be the first race with him. I'm just, I'm pumped about it. Now I've got to ask, because, I mean, this would be an obvious question that anybody would want to know. I mean, you you started out yep. the year with Brian, then you went to MDM, and MDM, one of the top Toyota teams. Of course, DGR Crossley is the other. Um, you didn't really well at Bristol with MDM. Why DGR Crossley? What, what created the environment for that decision to make the move over there? You know, um, it was kind of, you know, just the people I was going to have week in and week out with, you know, there's no arguing, really. I don't think MDM and DGR Crossley are the two best teams in they the sure are. Pro Series East right now. But uh, with the deal we had over at MDM, you know, I just wouldn't have a solid group of guys, you know, it would be mixed match this week, that week. You know, over at DGR, um, it's kind of like a family over there, you know. You get to bond with the guys. I'm going to have Chris Lawson the whole year as my crew chief. And uh, same group of guys, you know, David, we talked to him, and he was just really, really cool. They wanted us over there, and I think it's going to be really good for us over there. Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Chris Lawson, didn't Chris work with Tyler Gilliland? Or, huh, wow, Tyler Gilliland. Let me try that again and get my mouth connected with now, my brain. Now, which Tyler time. are you are you hybriding him with, Ingram or Dipple? Because either way, that would be a really interesting specimen right there. What would you get if you crossed Tyler <laughs> Dipple the, with yeah. Todd Gilliland? See, now this is going to be the problem for the rest of the year because there's two Tylers and there's too many T names. You think it's a problem yeah. for you? Yeah. Imagine being in the shop. All right, let's try this again and get it right this time. <laughs> Todd Gilliland, not Tyler. We we screwed that up. Didn't Chris work with Todd when Todd was in the K&N series? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was his crew chief for all of his races there, but I'm not positive. Don't don't quote me on that. Okay, I, I knew at least part of his time in K and M West. It may have been all of it. I'll, I'll I'll do some digging during the first break. But I thought that was the case, and that's got to be great for you because that's a championship pedigree right there. Yeah, I'm really really excited to work with him. He's super super smart guy, and uh, yeah, they bring really really good cars every week and. I'm just pumped up to be around it. You know, last year was probably, I could say, the worst year in my racing career. And this year, you know, we've we've had some strong runs. You know, qualified second both races ever since we left Red Jones Racing there. Ran strong in Nashville, ran strong at Bristol. You know, just uh, the way the race played out didn't play out in our favor. But we've shown speed. I know I have speed. That We just got to go out and put races together here at DJR Crossley. And I know we got the tools behind us. We just got to go out there and do it. Well, there's no question you have the tools, and I'm looking forward to watching you do it. Uh, you and the other Tyler, who was in here last week, by the way. He was, actually. Yes, so it's it's been a Tyler, then Tyler show, and we'll have to get you both in here one night together, you and Ankrum. That would be a bunch of fun to do that. Oh, yeah, that's right, mess. Like, someone says Tyler at the shop with both legs. <laughs> like, who are you talking to? we got to figure something out here, you know? <laughs> exactly. Okay, Don Smile, of course, you – You've spent a lot of time in the marketing realm, but you're also a bit of a historian. Talk a little bit about that, because I I really want to let the fans kind of get introduced to what you have and and the the part of the sport that you're kind of involved in in that realm. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. This is absolutely. Um, So I I started my my NASCAR career on the television side about 20 plus years ago. I don't even want to think about how long ago that was. Uh, 
But I was fortunate that during uh, that time in the television side, I, I found myself working on programs that were historically related. Um, and so I got to know a lot of the older drivers, and I needed content to tell those stories. And the, the sport was somewhat fragmented back then. There, were, you know, there was no central point for, for video or for photography. And so I would have to call individual photographers and, you know, and say, hey, do you have a, an image of this race from okay. this year? And they would say, yeah, you know, I probably have it, but it's probably in the basement or it's in a box and it's going to take me a week to dig it out. And I'm like, no, that's not how this works. I need it tomorrow. Uh, and that did, just didn't, didn't work. So, you know, as I was going through and, and getting to know these individuals, what I discovered was they were getting older. Uh, some of them had already passed away. And I kept thinking in the back of my mind, if we could gather all these assets together in one place and digitize them and make them available, I know I would use them, and I'm quite sure, sure others in the industry yeah. would. So, you know, fast forward a couple years, um, and I've now moved on uh, in my NASCAR career, and um, I'm getting more into the marketing and licensing side. But in the back of my mind, I still knew um, that, that there was something there. And so I finally decided that I was going to go around to these individuals and or their estates uh, if they had passed away and said, you know, let me be your agent of record. Let me be your curator. Let me take care of these assets to make sure they're preserved, first of all. And then secondly, let me make them available to the industry. Um, and so we gathered up uh, to date about 250,000 images. Wow. Uh, dating back to the early 1950s. Um, and that includes NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, Can-Am, Daytona 24, motorcycle racing, SCCA, wow. you name it. Um, these guys were very prolific back in the day, and they, they, they covered a lot of different sports. And so, But the really unique part is they didn't use hardly any of their assets. They would go and they would shoot you know, a couple hundred images, uh, and they would pull out five or six or ten that would be specific to the individual that they were shooting for, the publication or whatever, and they would tell that story. And the rest would go in a book and a binder and go on a shelf. And so as I started going through what I realized was the amazing assets that exist, the storytelling that exists in this content. Uh, and I feel very fortunate to, to be the curator of this, of this content. And to date, we've digitized about 30,000 images. Wow. We have an online photo database where I license that content to ESPN, Fox Sports, Sports Illustrated, you know, uh, magazines, books, television. Um, I've recently uh, been licensing overseas. Um, and so, you know, I feel very fortunate to, to be in a position to preserve that content and make it available for future generations because it's just incredible. It's, it's, it's content that cannot be recreated. Yeah, that's for sure. Wow. That's uh, be interesting to talk more about that on a future show for sure because uh, I'm sure there are some magic moments in that collection that maybe people have even forgotten about. You know, you go through them and look at, wow, I forgot that even happened. I, I come across a lot of that, actually. I call myself the Indiana Jones of vintage photography <laughs> because... We need to get you the hat. Though. Yeah, I literally will come across <laughs> things and just have an aha moment, you know, where you see something horse. and you're like, this is gold. You know, this yeah. is, this is a, a relic that's just incredible. So, yeah, I'd love to talk more about that in the future. That'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we are going to step aside. When we come back on this very busy show, we are going to hit the one newswire item that basically shocked the motorsports world. Try broke the internet because and, it did. Yeah, and have some discussion about that round the table and even 
across the glass here as well. So stick around. Matt Kenseth discussion coming up. And we've got more with Tyler Dipple, more with Don Smile, Jesse Love coming up later in the show. Lots to talk about here. We're just getting started. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. It is brought to you by our friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. We will be right back. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. He really hates and when that, I do that. Ladies and gentlemen, is dippling. Hashtag dippling. Uh, it's just an in-studio joke, but we have a good time with it, and Tyler's a good sport. So we'll, we just take it and run with it. But, uh, okay, the, welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker, James Pike, Don Smile, Tyler Dipple. Cisco Scaramuza is now with us. 
Jacob Seelman, our producer, finally decided to get him out of parentheses and bring him on to the show. It's here. all my fault. Yeah, it's all Jacob's fault. Um, so I'm going to actually, we, we, we said before the break that we were going to talk about the bombshell that broke the Internet this week and just all, you know, offer whatever thoughts and opinions we have about the whole thing and kind of look at it, look at it and look into it a little bit. Um, so I'm going to start with Cisco just because, well, you know, we uh, haven't had you for the first 15 minutes. So now we get to uh, hear from you tonight. Um, so uh, about to nine o'clock or so on Monday night, the story broke. Uh, Jordan Bianchi just I mean, this was like a career bombshell. Uh, he leaks the story that Matt Kenseth is going to rejoin Roush Fenway Racing on a part time driving basis this year splitting time with trevor bain in the six car now what wasn't known at the time was that um wyndham was going to join the roush fenway family as a marketing partner but we don't yet know if that's going to be just for kenseth or not just for kenseth or how that's all going to shake out but Matt Kenseth back to Roush Fenway and splitting the six with Trevor Bain. I will give you first crack. Give me your very first thought when you read that. What did you think about? Honestly, I had a slight God complex considering I had said something about that on the radio show two weeks ago. And I'm like, please, somebody, Trevor, do something. And then what do you know? Suddenly things happen. So I, that's you won my first thought. That's literally what happened. So. OK, uh, Jacob, since I was actually there, I can tell you what my first thought was. And it was a gigantic uh, for all of Roush Fenway sigh of relief. This is something and I'm not talking about the whole having to split time with Trevor thing. I'm talking about Matt coming home. This is something that needed to happen. Matt Kenseth is not done as a race car driver, and I think he's going to prove it very quickly once he gets out and gets in the seat starting at Kansas. This is great news for all parties involved. There was immense enthusiasm, and my second thought was, I'm not sure, Tom, who was happier about this news on Wednesday. Matt Kenseth himself? Or Mark Martin, because I'm pretty sure Mark Martin was happy enough for about five people there when he uh, not only punked the entire media core by yeah. trying to play it off as though he was coming yeah. out of retirement, but the grin when he was able to introduce Matt and later when he talked about Matt being, quote, my favorite driver of all time, end quote, I mean, Mark Martin is as psyched as Matt Kenseth is that Matt Kenseth is back at Roush Fenway Racing and in the six car, no less. Yeah, Martin walked up to the podium, and the very first thing he did is look out at the crowd of media and say, what, you were expecting someone else? Uh, that was pretty funny, actually, the way they played that off. James Pike, we'll get you in on this. Your thoughts? I'm Matt Kenseth. My initial silly reaction Roush. is, hey, free hotel nights. But my, <laughs> yeah. my, my, my real reaction is I feel like it says something about the sport, and I haven't quite figured out what. But this is something that I think in terms of its timing is incredibly unprecedented. We've never had somebody as talented and as successful as Matt Kenseth come back in the middle of a year to split a ride like this. 
And that's really kind of where my mind's gone to on this. What does it say about the state of the sport? What does it say about the way sponsor relationships with teams and drivers has evolved in the past 20 years? What does it say about their ability to kind of shuffle the deck as it were? Cause I, I wonder if that might have been part of this and if, you know, maybe Wyndham wanted somebody big, if they were going to jump on board or if there was any sort of separation at all. Uh, and I wonder how many more sort of situations like this are going to show up in the future. Don, you're a marketing guy. Um, what was your first reaction to this? Well, I have to say, after you know, I've been in the sport for, like I said, more than twenty years. So I've seen a lot of drivers come in and, and then leave, and seen their the, the totality of their careers. And you know, as was mentioned earlier, I when Matt left, I was extremely unhappy with how that went down. Um, I felt like he was forced out as opposed to leaving on his own terms. So first and foremost, I was happy for Matt. I believe he has not finished racing i believe he has still more to accomplish and i believe somebody of his stature and his caliber should be able to go out on their own terms and so i think that was first and foremost my reaction i was happy for him uh, i think secondly uh, the point was made that i think it's going to be beneficial for roush i think we need roush to run well we need that organization uh to be competitive and um i think he's going to be able to uh, to add to that very quickly and him going home he just kind of a you know put the icing on the cake so See, I think, Cisco. my first thought was this has got to be some sort of a mentorship mentality because I do not believe we are going to see Kansas full-time in a Roush Fenway car at any point in the future. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but everything that that was going through my mind right off the bat was they're doing this to find out if it's the cars or the drivers, Cisco, and they wanted somebody who they thought could help them take the performance overall, elevate that to another level. And they didn't think that either Trevor or Ricky had the feedback skills and the necessary uh, knowledge to be able to do that. And not only to that end, Tom, also, you know, considering that Mark Martin was basically one of the integral parts to this deal, you know, we found out Mark uh, got yeah. on a serious FM after the uh, after the presser and basically talked about how Jack called him up and said, hey, do you think Matt would be up for doing this? And Mark's like, oh, I don't know. I'll call him. <laughs> so that's kind of how it all got started. But I mean, this is also keep in mind, this is something that's been what, 18 years in the making? Because Matt was originally going to drive the six when Mark retired back when yeah. that was going to be like happening in 2003 and not, you know, halfway into the COT era. Yeah. So, you know, we have that to consider as well. But I agree that it's something to where Roush Fenway now has a consistent ba baseline that they can go off of with Matt because we know that Matt can push a car to that level. I think something else that it might be part of as well is with Wyndham coming on board I've never seen Trevor as much of a marketer as Ricky. Ricky's done a very good job with Sonny D, and he's done a very good job with Fifth Third Bank. But I just haven't seen Trevor do the same sort of thing. And Jacob, I think Matt, you know, Matt's definitely gone out there. He's done the commercials. He has the recognition. That's a much better asset for a, a marketing tool. 
Matt's a sponsor guy going all the way back to his time in his first stint with Roush with DeWalt. I mean, Matt was killer when it came to marketing them, getting out there, doing what needed to be done, and even uh, the sponsorship switch later on to Crown Royal. Matt's just that kind of guy where he'll get his hands dirty and do what needs to be done to keep the partners happy. However, I want to go back to something that Tom said a minute ago and disagree because if Jack Roush has his way... Matt Kenseth will be full-time, and I bet it's going to be in 2019. If you listen exactly to what Jack said, he basically threw it out there that he wants to see Matt Kenseth back chasing a championship, and he believes that Matt has another championship in him with that organization. I love Trevor Bain to death. I have thought the world of the kid ever since he won the 2011 Daytona 500. And this is a point that I've not gotten to make on this show until now. But I honestly believe that winning the 500 the way he did so soon actually hurt his career arc more than it helped it because it propelled him too far into the spotlight too quickly. And I think he spent the last few years... I. I don't even know that right-sizing is the right word, but unfortunately, I just don't think that trajectory has ever quite caught up with him the way it needed to for him to grow into those shoes, and now, unfortunately, you're starting to see the ripple effects of that. I just don't, right now, see Trevor having a long-term place at Roush Fenway Dropping back to the Xfinity program for a bit, perhaps, and AdvoCare may be able to support some funding for that. But I do honestly believe, Tom, that you will see Matt Kenseth back full-time in 2019. The sense I got from the press conference yesterday, that it it spoke volumes. It really did. Well, uh, maybe, but I just, right now, that would have to be a third car, in my opinion. I don't see... This as being, we're bringing Matt in to slide Trevor out. I just don't. Well, if you, listen, in, if you listen to what Jordan said on Sirius XM before the press conference on Wednesday, he said that, that according to his sources, that Trevor was, quote, being phased out at Roush Fenway Racing, end quote. Well, if that's the case, if that's really what's going on, I think that sucks, and I think it's a dirty way to do it. I, I think it's really... If, if you're going to phase someone out, you let them finish out the season and you, you then make the change and bring your guy in full time. If this is where they're going and they're phasing him out, as far as I'm concerned, that's shoddy because, quite frankly, at this point, I think they, Trevor has worked his ass off for that organization. In my opinion, the equipment... And the ingredients that Roush Fenway has offered Trevor Bain up until maybe last year into this year has been nothing less than terrible. So you're going to accuse Roush Fenway Racing of giving inferior equipment to one of their drivers? No, I'm saying the program in general was a dumpster fire. Ricky for Stenhouse a good bit made of the, the time, playoffs and Rick, almost went to the final listen, four. Listen, that was last year. You didn't hear what I said. Pay attention. What I said was that until last year into this year, okay, that that team was a dumpster fire for about three years. And the idea that you would take a driver who is giving you his all and in the middle of a season pull him out of the race car 
to bring Matt Kenseth back, who clearly is a star, who clearly is going to go out and get everything out of that race car that it has, and your design is not to mentor Trevor and Ricky up, but to eventually just say to Trevor, thanks, bye, that to me would be pathetic. And it's not how they could have done this an entirely different way if that's the case. So I'm going to hold out the hope as we go to break. And with Cisco, I'll get your thoughts on the other side. I'm going to hold out the hope that there's more honor and more dignity in the Roush Fenway organization than that. And that if that was their plan, that at the end of the season, they're going to cut Trevor loose. They should have just went ahead and done it and been done with it or put a third car on the racetrack for Matt until Advocare's races were up or whatever. But that, that is not the right way to deal with someone as classy as Trevor Bain. And it would really say a lot for me about the character of Roush Fenway as an organization if that's how they're going to do this. With that, we're going to step aside and we'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport right after these words. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. 
When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Now, there's a driver who ought to be in something full-time that isn't Austin Terrio. Certainly um, would like to see him get a shot, either in Xfinity or Cup, because he certainly has the talent to do it. Welcome back to the show. This show going to continue to be lively, I think, for this segment, as well as we continue to uh, talk about the bombshell that was was, uh, levied on the Internet the other night. You know, Roush Fenway Racing announcing that Matt Kenseth is coming home and splitting time with Trevor Bain. Cisco, you wanted to make a point before the break. I'm going to give you a chance to do that before I bring up a scenario that I think would be absolutely hilarious, and I'm I'm really hoping it happens, but go ahead. So you mentioned that if this was the case to where we were phasing Trevor out this season, this would not be a good way to do it. Now, my I felt like... You know, we were seeing a bit of deja vu with this, honestly, because who's to say that necessarily Trevor would have made it to the end of the season? I hadn't seen, you know, yes, he had the sponsors on board that he had at the beginning of the season. But what if, you know, last year Roush got a bad taste in its mouth with all the situation that happened with Bubba, where they just didn't have the money to put the car on the track anymore? We know how expensive it is to run in cup. And considering it was mainly Ford sponsorship that we had seen on Bain's car, yes, Advocare was there, but it wasn't there to the same extent that it had been in years prior. So I'm wondering if this is a case, part of the reason, maybe it's a small part, but all nonetheless, to try and keep the six car out there the entirety of the season, because we saw what happened last year with Bubba getting sidelined. Well, I suppose. I mean, but I don't think that's what it was. Uh and certainly with Wyndham coming in, you would have had, you know, I'm assuming that would have been at least a, a, a big part of the rest. Now, you know, you, you could say, well, maybe Wyndham didn't want to work with Trevor. And well, if that's the case, so be it. But, you know, I just I don't believe that if Trevor's being phased out, then I don't see. I don't believe that because Matt's not a long term answer. He might run one full season. That's all you're going to get. He's not going to be running when he's 48 or 50 years old, I don't think. And they're still going to be in the same sponsorship situation with him next year that they would be uh, would, would be now without Wyndham unless Wyndham's going to pick up the majority of the schedule because Advocare is attached to Trevor. So, you know, if Trevor goes somewhere else, you would expect that Advocare would go with them. Um, here's here's my, my take on all this. I still think... 
this is more of a mentorship than anything because even Matt really focused on the fact that he's excited about what comes after his driving. He's excited about being able to help the organization as a whole regain prominence because they haven't had prominence. They, that organization for the most part has been the third rung on the Ford totem pole here for, you know, longer than they should have been. And even right now, I would argue is still the third rung behind Stuart Haas and Penske or Penske and Stuart Haas, however you want to play it. Their performance is mid pack for the most part. Um, Stenhouse has races where he runs up front or he'll win a super speedway race. But if you look at their performance on average, okay, it's mid pack. So here's the scenario that popped into my head about 30 minutes or so after the announcement came out. What happens if Trevor goes and wins on Sunday at Talladega? Hey, I asked Steve Newmark that exact question. Yes, I know you did. And he, he said that's a great problem to have. They have no solution for this. Okay, <laughs> here's what happens at that point. Trevor wins, gets a playoff spot. But in order to cash in on that chip, Trevor has to either A, attempt to run all the races. He has to also B, finish the top 30 in points. If they go ahead with putting Matt into the car, Trevor will not start all the races and may or may not finish in the top 30 in points, depending how many races Matt runs. And all we know right now is Kansas in the all-star race, which obviously in the points race. So now you have a scenario. If Trevor gets in, well, he's in the, he's in the driver playoffs. The six car is technically in an owner playoff situation. It is. Okay. So now if they're going to go ahead with Matt driving, then they're throwing away a playoff spot. Because Trevor won't be able to use that. But on the other hand, you could put Trevor either in a third car or he could go somewhere else to run the races that Matt's going to run in the six. So now we get to a point where we could get to a playoff race if that scenario were to happen, where you've got Trevor Bain in some other car running against the car he got into the playoffs. That's how convoluted this whole thing gets. Now you say, well, Trevor's not got a very good chance to win on Sunday. Hashtag remember 2011. And before you say he's not in the Wood Brothers car, well, what car was David Reagan driving when he won Talladega? Front row. Front row. Okay, so we all know that anything's possible on a super speedway. Going to be really interesting to watch this play out. I don't think Trevor has ever had the equipment to really prove whether he is capable of, of being a front runner or not until last year. And if you look by and large at the performance between those two cars, with the exception of Ricky winning the two super speedway races, it's fairly equal. And if you look at the data, and I know this because I have a connection there who's, hit, who's seen all the data, it's pretty close. You know, results may be different, but for the most part, performance pretty close. So I think what the addition of Matt Kenseth would do is it would be able to allow the whole organization to elevate its performance. I think they're bringing Matt in as much for his knowledge of how to make a race car fast as they are for the driving part. Now, whether he, um, whether he goes full-time or not will depend, obviously, on the situation, but I think if he does, it's going to be short term. I think they're looking at 
a long-term association with the organization outside of the car for both Matt and Mark. And I would, would further say that whether they end up replacing Trevor or not, the goal ought to be that this is a way to conclusively prove because if Matt gets in the car and struggles for a couple of races, it isn't going to be because Matt doesn't know how to drive. It's going to be because the cars aren't where they need to be. Let's let's see a good, strong program of coaching for both of those kids because Ricky may have won a couple of races, but he goes through cars like water. They are actually replacing backup cars for Ricky right now because he's crashed so many cars. You know, it's it you you've got to be in a situation where you look at both of these kids and say they need more help. <laughs> and I think that's true in both cases. And I think if they do this right, they'll elevate both of their performances. I'd like to see Trevor stay on. If not, I hope somebody else gives him a shot in good equipment because like Landon Castle, I don't think he's ever gotten the chance to show in cup what he's capable of because of the equipment he's been in. Um, Cisco, I'll give you the final point. And my counter to that is what good equipment spots are there left right now? Everybody's full. Uh, the hotel. Well, I'm booked, talking about no for, for next year, not this year. Obviously, you know, it, it, this is going to play out however it does. I mean, I, I just I think it's kind of because, it, look, it, this is sort of like, you know, having a quarterback on a football team, you know, who's who's adequate, but he's not great. He hasn't shown to be great. Now we bring in Peyton Manning naturally Peyton's going to make the team better right off the bat just because he's Peyton Manning. So what I hope doesn't happen is that people immediately judge the difference in performance between Trevor Bain and Matt Kenseth because Matt Kenseth jumps in the car and may go to Kansas, where, by the way, he's done very well in the past and finish well because at the end of the day, I, there aren't too many drivers that are Matt Kenseth's equal in the sport right now, other than maybe the Kevin Harvick's and Kyle Bush's and the ones that have been around for a long time. I don't think there are a lot of young racers in this sport who are anything like Matt Kenseth is. So, you know, I think people need to just let this play out a little bit and let's see if the overall team performance and, and the way that these drivers run and their, their results over the next, you know, rest of this season let's see where that goes and then let's see where we are at the end with that we're going to step aside when we come back more with tyler more with don we've got jesse love coming up in a little while and uh we're going to have some more discussion on what's coming up this weekend not only talladega but langley as well tyler dipple's kind of interested in that one uh so we'll talk about uh, that coming up so lots more here on the stock car show presented by hms motorsport the leader in motorsport safety visit them on the web at hmsmotorsports.com we'll be back on spreaker and the performance motorsports network everywhere you go you hear it and you see it it's coming at you through your phone your tablet and your computer it's broadcast from your favorite radio station tv networks and cable companies it's in the stadiums the arenas the ballparks it screams for your attention at the mall it's interactive on main street it's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store what is it it's digital content it's digital content it's digital content somebody has to create it somebody has to manage it so whether your dream is to write it design it create it call it produce it voice it host it light it shoot it switch it record it color correct it 
it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High School Driver's Ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 this is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children name one of the leading killers of u.s children age 1 to 13 what's the best way to protect children in a car crash At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. I'm going to hold and be the one to come out of this just so I can say that I'm impressed that Don Smile identified Jim Croce before we even unmuted his well, microphone. Don and I are about, you know, we're of that era, you know, which Jim Croce was <laughs> don't, don't important hate, to that era. Don't hate Don because he's the baddest man in the whole damn town. Oh, look at you. Wow. Look at you. Wink, wink. Yeah. Wink, um, wink. Yeah, but that, in fact, was Jim Croce, Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I hear that riff, I can't get it out of my head to like, Saturday. It's, like, it's, just, <laughs> it's a great piano riff. But is he meaner than a junkyard dog, too? Uh, no, Don's a good guy. He's a nice guy. Uh, okay, just don't so, tug on Superman's cake. Well, that's right. Welcome back to the <laughs> – and don't spit into the wind. Uh, okay, welcome back to the Stock Car Show. A uh, little bit of – Name that tune and, uh, you know, uh, musical trivia thrown in just for fun. What's Tom my Baker, line? Yeah, what's <laughs> my line? Whatever. Tom Baker, uh, James Pike, Tyler Dimple, Don Smile, Jacob Seelman. Soon to join us, Jesse Love. And we are going to talk to Tyler Dimple right now a little bit about what he's got going on this weekend. Larry King Laws. You got to get the sponsor name in. Larry King Laws Langley Speedway is on deck for the K&M Pro Series East. And Tyler, your debut with DGR Crossley. But of course, I don't think you probably have a lot of fear that the car is not going to have the speed it needs to go to the front. But how do you see the East Series this year? I mean, we got 18 cars entered. It's been kind of weird because Todd Gillow and Harrison Burton have been first and second the first two shows. 
but neither one of them were going to run full-time in the series, and now neither one of them are entered. So your teammate, Tyler Ankrum, who's sitting in third in points, is the de facto points leader of the moment, except that he hasn't announced that he's necessarily going to be full-time. <laughs> so who's your competition this weekend? I would say Tyler. He's going to be good. The other DGR car, they're going to be really good. You know, MDM always brings fast cars to the racetrack. Yeah, the Alfredo in this they'll, case. They'll be good, you know. Uh, it'll be the teams that are normally up there will be the main competition, I feel like. Yeah, I I think the Tyler and Tyler show is at least possible here. Which, uh, by the way, DGR Crosley, I've been going back and forth with them during the breaks on Twitter. Oh, and no. We, we've clarified here. Number one, they love the idea of the Tyler and Tyler show in this building, except for the fact it'll confuse them every time they have to uh, shout out on Twitter. Number two, Tyler Ankrum is no longer Tyler. According to the folks in the DGR Crosley shop, he's T-Dog. I suggested Hollywood because he's got the hair for it, but what do well, I know? He also could be old soul because, you know, if, if, if people that know Tyler Ankrum know that he drives an El Camino and, and about half our audience just said, what's an El Camino? Uh, go look it up on the Internet. It's an old car and he's got an old pickup. He wears boots. He, you know, he, he dresses like a much older person. He's just. Uh, and he probably listens to Jim Croce. And probably. Yeah, actually, I think uh, 70s and 80s is Ankrum's preference here. So. You know, we've we've got old soul and and, um, you know, we've we've got uh, dippling now. So we've got a de- you know, de- look, Ankrum doesn't have a dance move. Um, we got we got Tyler Dipple with a dance move. So, yeah, Tyler, with the MDM stable now down to one and you guys having a pair of cars, who do you see is I mean, who's most likely in your mind to step up out of the pack? Because I would have thought the Bassets would have run better so far this year. They have not. Um, who steps up and becomes the competition? Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's going to be in-house competition right now. I think it's going to be me and Tyler, uh, for the most part, but you know, you can never count those guys out. We're only two races in, you know, it's, uh, you know, Bristol's really hard for hard place to get hold of. And, uh, you know, I really don't want to say, but I think DGR and MDM probably produce the best two race cars. That'll be the toughest competition when those two teams bring cars to the racetrack. But you can never count these other guys out. You know, they're working really hard to get up there. And, you know, we're going short track racing this weekend. A lot could happen there. Oh, boy, are you ever. Have you been to Langley? No, this will be the first time being there. I'm pumped up about it. Have you seen Langley? I've seen it before. It's a circle. Yeah, it's a circle. But... You know, I like those racetracks, you know, throttle control racetracks, you know, just more driver's track. I, I really wish that they didn't replay, repave it because I hate new pavement. But, you know, that is what it is. Yeah, but I, the same thing at Greenville last year. Yeah, but I, lo- the groove. I love those uh, small, old, wore-out yeah. tracks. They're- because you're a dirt track guy. You like sliding around. Oh, yeah, we all love that. Now, I want to talk about the team for a minute as opposed to just – Langley as a track, Tyler, because I imagine you and I talked about this after Bristol. The excitement is there when you're in good equipment, but to drive for somebody with the experience that David has as a team manager and to be able to soak up some knowledge from him, be in that position. 
What's that like for you? Because it's really, I think, the first time you've been in a situation where you've had a former driver at that level be your team owner. Oh, you know, it's a huge asset because he's at the racetrack and, you know, he's up on the spotter stand. He could help you a ton in the race car. And people really don't realize how big of an advantage that is having someone that's driven and feel exactly what you're feeling up on the spotter stand. They could help you out so, so much. And he's just a huge advantage, I feel like, to have a team that the other teams don't have. Now, I think Langley's relatively famous amongst the short tracks. To go back to it, uh, being well-versed with the sim racing end of things, I know it's available on iRacing, and I think I've seen it pop up on an R-Factor download maybe or something, but have you taken some time out to try and run it on any sort of sim to get a feel for the place coming into the weekend? Oh, yeah. I've uh, hopped on there on iRacing a little bit, you know, busted out a couple laps. But, yeah, all the tracks that are on there, I try to – go on as much as i can you know how badly have you gotten schooled so far (laughs) i not i don't i don't take a lot of uh i'm pretty pretty on it on (laughs) iRacing the you you just have to figure out what his alias is because all all the big time drivers like tyler dipple have aliases on there oh byron doesn't because well, Byron got a start on iRacing. So yeah, he, really? Like, yeah, he, <laughs> he and Majeski couldn't get away with the yeah. secret alias that they tried. If you start on there, that's that's your thing. That's kind of what they're known for. Right. Valid. Well, the, the thing is, even whatever iRacing Tyler may have had, it wouldn't have the repave. Actually, another valid so. point uh, that Cisco just brought up. Did you watch any of the short track showdown this past weekend? Yeah, I, feel for it? I did. And, uh, you know, learned a lot from that, just watching that. <laughs> yeah. But, Probably learned a lot about what not to do, too, right? Oh, yeah. See that? Don't do that. But it's going to be a little different, you know, with the repave. You know, we're going to have to go there, you know, learn a couple things. We got a test day the day before. That's going to be, you know, really beneficial to me coming in as a new team. You know, me working with Chris, my crew chief, you know, getting to know each other. Yeah. What what I like and in the race car and, you know, drive like how these things drive. I've never even been on track with one, so – uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really good. I'm just, I'm really pumped up. You know, I got stuff to prove this year, and uh, I'm ready to get after it. Well, you certainly have a good opportunity here. Uh, you know, you got some tracks coming up. I mean, the the beauty of the KN series, at least in my opinion, is you get to go from a track like Langley to okay, now we're going to Gateway. Or now we're going to Dover. Now we're going to Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen. Yeah, you, you, you've got an opportunity here to really get a little bit of everything. The only thing there is not on the K&M Pro E Series is a dirt track. Except that there is because they're running out in Vegas on the dirt track later this year. I guess they're calling that a West race. but Yes, it's a um, West race. But uh, nonetheless, it's still K&M. Are you thinking about or have you even gotten far enough to discuss going out and running that race? Because if you're going to run that race, I'm taking some Vegas odds and putting some bucks on Dipple to win. Oh, yeah, I would love to do it. You know, it's been talked about right now. You know, nothing's been set in stone, anything. But there's another another dirt race that I'm really, you know, wanting to do that might be in the next series up. And nothing's really been talked about yet, but I would really like to do that one. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that would be in a truck, folks. That, that would be in a DGR Crosley truck. Correct. Hint, hint. Yeah. That It would be really cool. But, yeah, honestly, I'm just going to go out and say it. I wish I had a dirt race and took off a road course because I would way rather go to a dirt track than a road course. <laughs> You're not a road course. <laughs> See, dude. most of your competition would say the opposite. But for those who don't know, your background, of course, up north running the super dirt car, big block type modifieds up there. You're used to sliding it around on the dirt. Um, you know, most of your competition a, a lot. Well, I won't say most anymore, but a majority probably of the competition, not so well schooled in that form of racing, probably like the road courses better. But I know you've never really preferred uh, road courses. Cisco, I'm going to give you a chance to jump in here. Oh, I was I was going to go in a completely different direction. Go I'll ahead. let you finish that thought. Well, okay. So in that case, Tyler, we've gotten we got a chance to look at Ryan Blaney's throwback car. You got the throwback 100 coming up in July oh, at Thompson. Right. Yeah. Can you uh can you let us in on any deets at all? Honestly, I haven't even thought about that. I was you know, say, I've been, he just got I, the ride 10 minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> I've been it's been pretty hectic lately, you know. We've bounced around. This will be the the fourth different team in four <laughs> four races. Honestly, I haven't had any time to think about any throwback scheme, but now you got me thinking about it, you know, but honestly, I got nothing right now for you. Well, we've got to stop and think during one of the breaks what the 54 number has history-wise in NASCAR that would make sense I got that one. would fit. Okay. Lenny Pond. Probably, yeah, there you go. That's where I was, exactly where I was going. Yep. Yeah. Lenny Pond. And uh, Lenny Pond also won Talladega, but not in the 54. He was driving for uh, Junie Donlevy, I believe, in the 90 car when he won that race. But uh, Lenny Ooh. Pond, yeah, won Talladega. So, yeah, if you want a 54 from the Cup Series to throw back to, uh, go look up some Lenny Pond paint. Uh, okay, Cisco, have you already got a Lenny Pond paint scheme for us? No, no. I was oh. going to say Kevin Grubb in the Bush series, the Toys R Us car. Oh, my gosh. Oh, but that man. wouldn't work because Toys R Us is dead. Yeah, yeah, well, that it would be a true throwback. That that you, you, you could, I was going to say, yeah, you could still <laughs> totally do the, um, you could do the, like, draft print because that's what anybody would remember anyway so or or you could do todd bodine's national guard car from 03 that would be a cool one although i uh, to be fair i did find Le- lenny pond's pepsi car oh from the yeah there we go that's that yeah, yeah, don smiles don if you're if you're doing that's any lenny nice pond car. car that's that's the one easy no question that's I'll, a nice car yeah uh that that definitely would be it okay tyler we're gonna give you a quick chance to mention your sponsors, those you'd like to thank, um, probably a pretty long list considering how many organizations you've been with this year. Oh, yeah. First off, I'd like to thank my mom and dad because without them, you know, none of this would be possible. Without them, you wouldn't be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My sister, you know, all the people that have supported me through my racing career, you know, Matt Hearn, Glenn Sullivan, and uh, my great sponsors I got coming on board for this year for season run with DJR. Crossley, which are Tycar Trenchless Technologies, DNA Concrete, Toyota, TRD, and Crossley Brand. You know, without them, it wouldn't be possible. And I can't thank everyone enough. Well, we always have a blast with you, Tyler, and uh, we definitely want to make the Tyler and Tyler show happen here uh, sometime in the near future in the oh, studio. Yeah, so fun. we'll we'll look for a break in the schedule for you guys, and we'll uh, 
We'll get you both in here. Ankrum loves doing this show, and uh, we know you do too, and we appreciate that both of you enjoy it enough to keep coming back. So we'll, uh, we'll have some fun with you guys at some point. Good luck this weekend at Langley. Uh, be safe and uh, knock them dead, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope I, hope I could uh, get back on here soon talking about Langley. That would be the goal. There you go. Yeah, if you win, we'll bring you back. Tyler Dipple. And with that, we will step aside. Jesse Love going to be joining us here very shortly to talk about uh, what he's got going on out in California. We got Don Smile sitting here. We're going to talk some business side of motorsports. And, uh, of course, the lightning round coming up later as well. You don't want to miss that. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. We will be back in just a moment on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute, in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Timmy Salamito, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Oh, boy, if you could only see a video of what's going on here in studio tonight, it is just hopping. Uh, Tyler Dimple just uh, making an exit. He's got a early tea time in the morning, and not to play golf, but to leave for uh, the K&M Pro East Series race up at uh, Larry King Law's Langley Speedway in Virginia. So uh, that, um, we've enjoyed having him here the last hour. We traded um, Tyler Dimple for Jesse Love, who is not in studio with us. He joins us via the Race Chaser hotline. But 
Uh, happy to have him here from California. Jesse, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's an honor to be back, and hopefully all the race fans are having a wonderful day. Well, we hope so, too. Um, now you are 13 years old, and for those who aren't real familiar with Jesse Love, just give us you know, 30 seconds or so, uh, your racing career to date. Yeah, so I started when I was about five years old in corn midgets, running at our local racetracks in uh, Baylands, California, and uh, Madeira. And uh, then uh, when I was about uh, 10 years old, we made the jump to testing some uh, focus midgets, which are a little bit less power than the full midgets, and uh, actually quite a bit less power. <laughs> but uh, they're full-size midgets, and uh, I started testing those at Madeira Speedway. And at 10? Yeah, at 10 years old. So that was a huge jump, and I uh, ran restricted focus, so even less power, but uh, I ran for that championship. We won that restricted championship in 2015. The next year, we went and ran um, unrestricted. The next year, and uh, we had a blast in that. We picked up the, the dirt championship in the focus series as well as uh, the overall. And then the year after that, which was last year, 2018, had a lot of fun. We won. We're the first ever, or the first team to ever do it. Uh, we won all three championships: dirt, pavement, and overall. And, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I started testing uh, sprint cars and midgets last year. And this year we made the jump to – actually, free back. Last uh, year we also ran uh, late models for Nate Clower in the Junior Late Model Series. And we ended up uh, taking home the championship and winning five out of the eight races on a Mavic TV for a 5150 energy drink. So you and, had a pretty good 2017 overall. Oh, yeah. That was probably uh, – that was the princess year for sure. Yeah, you won a lot of hardware there. Uh, now, you got to do something this past weekend that I know you were just jumping out of your skin to go do uh, until the time that you actually got there to go do it. Talk about uh, what you did over the weekend, what you had the opportunity to do at just 13 years old. Yeah, so um, last year we started testing midgets, so this year I made the jump uh, to running Trace Van Dyne, um, his midgets, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, on payment, and then this weekend uh, was my first full dirt midget race, and uh, man, that's been uh, something on my bucket list for a long time that I've really, really wanted to do. So that was um, a lot of fun, and yeah, like you said, said it perfectly. I was jumping out of my skin to go do it because, uh, in my opinion, you know, midgets are some of the coolest things in the world, and Turkey Night Adventure is one of the coolest things in the world too. So um, to even be driving a midget, uh, let alone Trace Van Dyne's midget. It's uh, really cool. So there's a lot of cool uh, people and a lot of great drivers that have driven this car. So uh, I'm just, uh, I was a wheel holder. Uh, Trace gave me a great car, and my dad and everybody else that came out to help, uh, they gave me a really great car. We qualified uh, in the top 10 and then started uh, last in our heat race because I'm 13 and I'm running a full midget. We had to get a lot of waivers to do so. So I just start uh, part of that. Um, waiver is I start uh, in the last place position for six races in a row. Uh, and so this race, I started last in the heat race, and we ended up getting second. Almost got the win, but I got a little greedy and tried to go up top and make something happen, but uh, it didn't work out too well. I ended up getting second. So the heat race, or the main event, we started last again and got up to about fifth. And I'm so used to this uh, less power and the focus midgets that I um, need to get a little bit better car control. So uh, that was my my um, my mishap, and we ended up finishing sixth in the main. But uh, that's something that I need to work on, and we'll be faster for next race. But uh, yeah, those race those cars are so much fun, and uh, huge thanks to Trace Van Dyne for letting me run his cars. 
So, Jacob, let me just re-emphasize re that Jesse had a mishap and went from fifth to sixth, cost himself a spot there. Um, I, I think sixth is pretty good at 13 for a first time in full-size dirt midgets, wouldn't you say, Jacob? I'm going to just speak the obvious because my background is in dirt open wheel racing duh yeah <laughs> uh, okay jesse let's just stop and add one more wrinkle to all this not only are you running a full-size dirt midget at 13 but you couldn't have picked much more of a difficult track to make your debut at i mean come on kid the merced fairgrounds speedway that there's a lot of guys I know who are about three times your age that get nervous running there, and yet here you are at 13 in a midget. Yeah, that track is uh, pretty crazy. It's, they took banking out of it, so now it's such uh, such more of a driver's track, and it's uh, pretty tight corners. You need a lot of stagger to get through there, and that was one of our problems we uh, needed. Uh, we always have the right amount of stagger, we don't. So uh, right there, that was... Um, a lot, of, a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, like you said, what a track to start out. Merced's a lot of fun, and uh, it's a huge learning curve for me, and so yeah, nothing better to start out than, than Merced. Now, for those who were listening to your explanation, Jesse, you are a very diverse driver. Midgets, late models, you'll do just about anything. I mean, it, I hear drivers... And some of them will say it's fun going back and forth and sometimes not always knowing what you're going to get from one car to another. How much do you enjoy the diversity in the fact that you get to run two and three and four cars in the course of three or four weeks and just bounce all over doing what you do? Yeah, well, that's all but for the grace of God. And uh, so because the man above and all the people around me, uh, give me opportunities to do what I love most, and uh, yeah, like you said, it's real tough, you know, going from last last weekend, uh, just with the podium in the sprint car, after starting about eighth, and uh, so yeah, uh, going from the sprint car to the midget, it's like going from a boat to uh, going to, you know, a Porsche, because they're such a big car, and then such a small car, so uh, yeah, it's real tough to switch back and forth, but racing, you know, it's helped me a lot. And the hardest part is when you go from the late model to from the midget to the late model because uh, you got to change a lot of your driving aspects. But we've been having a lot of uh, good races, and it makes me a very good driver with um, when people put their, put their faith in me to allow me to drive all these different cars. Is the midget officially your favorite car out of all of them that you get to drive this year? Uh, that's a funny, funny question. That's a good question, too. Um, I've been asked that question a few times, and... All of these cars, they're a lot of fun to drive, but, uh, and everything's, uh, you know, it's a close second. Um, everything's pretty much equal, but, you know, nothing really stocks up to a dirt midget, especially when you're out in a pack and, you know, you're coming to the green, you get those fumes in your eyes, and uh, I'm 13 years old, so I'm probably sitting there crying in the car coming to the green, but, yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of fun, but, yeah, I don't think anything stocks up to a midget. They're, they're something else. They're awesome. Were you really crying coming to the green? In state, and when we are uh, coming to the green, I was a little cheery eyed because uh, I just start laughing, obviously. So, all those teams, I was like, Holy crap, that's crazy! <laughs> <laughs> See, we were thinking some sentimental thing. No, it's just the fumes. Um, okay, so now you had an interesting experience at the beginning of the season in the sprint car. Tell us about that one. Well, I like Superman there for a minute, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and the sprint car, it's uh, one of my favorite cars to drive as well. And, it's such a such a big jump for me. We ended up, 
think we got fifth or something in qualifying, and out of a third full field, about I think twenty five cars. Uh, huge thanks, uh, huge thanks to the whole Joe Hunt Magnia Sprint Car Series for letting me run with them, and I've had a blast, and they've have great competition. But uh, we started, I believe, fifth after winning the heat race, and uh, started I think third in the heat race, won the heat race, and uh, started in the main, got up to about fourth. And uh, we were involved in a wreck in front of us. Basically, the uh, whole top five all had a uh, dead on track. So we ought to go back to last. And so we were making our way through. I got up to about ninth. And the people in front of me, one guy got loose. And uh, the other guy had to soak away a lot. And that's something that I need to learn is, you know, not follow somebody that close in the corner on their right rear. Because I was right on that guy's right rear trying to make something happen on the cushion. And uh, there, there was a pretty big ledge there that night at uh, Marysville. So I went up top a little too hot, got a little bit close to that right rear, and he had uh, checked up to avoid the guy in front of him, and I just went over the right rear, and uh, that uh, made me go a little uh, high in the air. So that wasn't uh, the best experience ever, but it uh, definitely made me learn a lot. Huge thanks to Rick Bernal for giving me a great car, and uh, Vinny for giving me a great car as well, my dad. But, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, but that's something I need to keep in my uh, memory bank for next race. Hashtag flip count. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you you got that first first one out of the way. You're you're not one to be much afraid of a cushion, are you? No, I uh, I sure you like cushions, man. I don't know why. Something, something about them, but that's something I need to learn not to like them too much because <laughs> it's not going to be up there. So, uh, yeah, but uh, they're a lot of fun to run on, and uh, – I learned a lot up there, and I've had a lot of fun up there, made a lot of passes up there. So it's uh, definitely fun coming from the focus to where you can't really run the top at all. So it's uh, kind of a game changer now. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Somebody's been hanging around Kyle Larson too much. (laughs) Yeah. Funny. That's funny. Or paying attention to quotes. Um, Okay, now I understand you also had the opportunity uh, not too awful long ago to test drive a sports car. Talk about that. Yeah, that was also one of my most favorite cars. I had a blast. Yeah, you guys can probably actually still check it out on my Facebook page. Uh, maybe my YouTube page up there as well if it's up there. But uh, there's an in-car video. And, yeah, we were going, like, I think 118 going into the corner and uh, at uh, Mods Raceway, Lubina Seca, uh, with one of our uh, sponsors, uh, Hooked on Driving. Uh, and it was amazing. Hooked on Driving is a great, great thing. I, don't, I learned a lot up there. I've uh, done it twice, once at Sonoma and once at uh, Laguna Seca. So that's a lot of fun. It's a blast. And we ran a, a Ford Mustang, I believe, for Tom yeah. Power Motorsports. And uh tested that, and wow, that was something else. It was so much fun. The only scary part about them is that when you are going on the straightaway and you see a Daytona 24-hour production car go around you, it's a little bit scary. But because uh, <laughs> those guys, you get like the Formula One Brimbo brakes going in the corner, sparking up, and that was just super cool. But, yeah, huge thanks to them for giving me the opportunity, and that's uh, something that I'm never going to forget. Okay, so uh, real quick, let's go through your sponsors, your thank yous. Who would you like to acknowledge? Who helps you make this happen, Jesse? Well, first off, the men above, because uh, I'm here to do the grace of God. And obviously, thank you guys for uh, having me on the show. I always love being on the show. It's a great show. And uh, all my sponsors, 5150 Energy Drink, uh, Toyota Racing Development, and uh, uh, Fleece Insurance, Home Smiles, Gunderson Direct, 
and all the people around me, all the fans that uh, make sure that keep me driven because uh, we weren't be we wouldn't be here without the fans. So thank you to you guys and thank you for all the people that believe in me because uh, it brings me to tears every time I think about it that uh, I get to be this lucky to do what I'm doing today. So hopefully uh, we can uh, keep going on with this dream and uh, thank you for guys having me on the show. Well, uh, Jesse Love, uh, check him out on the web. Jesse Love Racing, no Y or anything there. It's J S S E Love Racing, uh, and uh, obviously on social media as well. Thanks for being on the program, Bud. You're always a lot of fun. Uh, we'll get you back on uh, sometime soon. With that, we're going to step aside. When we come back, much, much more to come here. Lots to cover on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. More with Don Smile around the turn when we come back to the show. Stick around. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on Spreaker at the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. There we go. One of my favorite Metallica songs right there. A little sad but true for you here on the Stock Car Show. As we get back to talking motorsports, Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, and our special guest for the evening, Don Smile, and... 
Uh, I <laughs> we'll talk about why I'm laughing in a moment. Something that uh, Cisco brought our attention to during the break. We're going to get to in the lightning round. Boy, a, a short track using modern technology to its finest, and we'll uh, we'll 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 tease you with that. And talk about it later, Don. You are um, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, you you work a, a majority of the time in the marketing space, and. I want to talk a little bit about some of what we've seen going on in NASCAR relevant to uh, the, the the Cup Series sponsorship situation. And I want to get your take on it as someone who, who works, again, in the marketing space, because I don't think a lot of fans really have a grasp of exactly how all of that works. They see... Winston, then they see Sprint, then Nextel, then, you know, now you got Monster coming that's been here. Now NASCAR is talking about going to a multi-sponsor system or multi-tiered sponsorship system. And, of course, the cynics are saying, well, that's because they can't get a series sponsor. Monster, they expect, I think even NASCAR acknowledged that Monster probably out after 2019. First of all, when you look at a company like Monster and you look at the Cup Series and the current sort of landscape that is NASCAR, why would Monster not stay around a while and try and build equity in the sport? Because I see a lot of companies, and I know I, I talked with the VP of Marketing for Ream about three years ago or so, two, three years ago at Charlotte, said it took them four years to figure out how to fully utilize all of the opportunities for connectivity that, that the sport provides. And they've been in the sport about 11 or 12 years now, and every year they said they get more and more out of their, their involvement. Why, did, why Monster in and out two years as main sponsor, and why, why is NASCAR having so much trouble getting a series title sponsor, do you think? Well, you know, I would say that, you're, you're right. I think it's surprising, but not surprising on the Monster side, and I'll tell you why. I think um, traditionally Monster has owned any space that they've occupied. And so if you look at their Supercross presence and what they do in the off-road series and a lot of the other uh, you know, motorsports they're involved in, they own that space. And they have um, uh, they come in and they make a splash and they own that space. Okay. And most sponsors that come into the NASCAR space, um, to your point, uh, need time to develop, and, and they don't quite understand the space. Monster, yeah. I think, is a little different because uh, their business model is different, and they come in and they want to own that space, and they're not going to own the NASCAR space. Right. There are there's too much competition. There's too much, um, you know, there's too many uh, sponsors uh, vying for attention in that space, and so I don't know that they've allowed for the opportunity that you're speaking of. And I don't think they have the patience for it. I think they want to come in and own that space. And I think that they saw an opportunity and, and maybe it didn't pan out the way they thought. Um, but to your bigger point about, you know, sponsorship in general, and what's happening. Uh, I think you have to kind of go back and look at from a, from a series sponsor point of view, why they're not and why NASCAR in particular is having trouble maintaining right. a, a, a series or title sponsor. I think you go back, and you can equate it to what happened about 15 years ago in NASCAR on the team side. Uh, you and I both know when we were getting involved in motorsports that majority of the teams all had one sponsor 
that was the primary sponsor on the car for the entire season. So whether it was Tide, whether, sure. whether it was, you know, whoever it was. Yep. So suddenly, as the pr- increase, uh, the cost of racing increased and teams started to build empires, uh, multi-car organizations, and they were, they were creating empires against their racing, the cost obviously increased, and the sponsors weren't able to absorb that cost, one sponsor. And so now we have four, five, six primary sponsors against a team. Basically, that evolution is now occurring on the series side. And so, you know, it's very hard for any one company to, to drop $100 million against a sponsorship. So what we're seeing, I think, is a natural evolution of what's already taken place on the team side and is now working itself up to the series side. And I think there are some advantages to that. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't see it as completely a bad thing, um, in, in my opinion. So I, I think to your point, why are they having trouble? I, I think it's simple economics. But also the, uh, the, the viewership model has changed, as we know, drastically. Yep. Um, and so if you look at that business model and you say, well, okay, how is that going to occur? And there aren't, they've released very few details. They've just hit the, you know, the surface and said we're, we're thinking about having multiple title sponsors, but they're really going to be primaries and, and they're going to spread it. What I see happening is you've got multiple – uh, assets available to you as a partner across this series. So you've got the television side. Yes. Okay. You've got the, the track side. Yep. You've got the series itself. You've got the teams. Um, uh, and and Radio, so there's ra- everything. Yeah. So there are many, many opportunities. Yeah. And so what happens is if you lock yourself into one particular thing, uh, it's a lot easier to ask somebody for $5 million than it is for $50 million. And so if you're – a partner and you want to um, have the best opportunity for success, you want to you want to apply yourself and your marketing dollars to all of those assets or what is specific to how you're trying to target an audience and what your audience is. And so if you look at that and say, okay, I'm going to spend a, a portion of my marketing budget on the track side, I'm going to spend a portion of my marketing budget on the sponsor on the team side. I'm going to spend a portion of my marketing budget with the series. You're guaranteed a much greater return against that investment as opposed to having yourself siloed into one place. Doesn't it suggest, though, because I believe that the reason we've seen the demise of one team primary is simply because the cost of the sponsorship has exceeded the ROI valuation of that sponsorship. Does it say something? Should we be concerned if we're NASCAR? Should we be concerned about the fact that we've made this so costly that we can't now put a series sponsor in there? Or to your point, does it make more sense regardless of whether or not a company may want to be a singular Serious sponsor. Does it make more sense on NASCAR's side to have multiples? Because then if one drops off, it's easier to replace one at a smaller number than it is to replace one at a bigger number. And you've still got two, three, four, five, whatever the number is sitting in in the other slots. You know, if to kind of back up, I would be more concerned if I were the series in how it impacts the teams, because ultimately we're now seeing you know very high profile teams that have unsold inventory and that are now reducing their value uh, against a, a race sponsorship in order to fill that inventory and so 
you know, ultimately the the concern should be on the team side as much as the series side because ultimately those are the people that are going to be racing on Sunday, and without those guys, you don't have a show. And if it becomes so expensive that they can't participate, then then you're in trouble. Yeah. So well, we've already hit that in Cup. We haven't right. got even a full field. So and NASCAR doesn't seem worried about that. Which. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, to your point, they can point in a lot of different directions and, and uh, with the metrics, and they'll blame it on second screen, and they'll say that the people are absorbing it in a different way. And, yeah. um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are being tossed about about why that's happening. Um, the, the simple fact is um, I think that some poor decisions were made years ago to ignore their existing fan base uh, in favor of uh, a, a new demographic. Yes. And once that was openly discussed – uh, you pretty much threw away 70 years of equity against I those agree. against those fans. Yep. And you're now uh, faced with, um, you know, uh, we know when we were growing up, those individuals I just talked about, um, we knew what – we knew where we were going to be at 1 o'clock on Sunday, yep. and we were going to spend four hours watching the race. Those days are over. But those individuals still exist, Yep. and we simply decided that they weren't good enough, and we decided we were going to move in a different direction as a sport. We're going to ask the question, where do we go from here? When we come back around the turn, you are listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. 
Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. And oh, by the way, if you want to, uh, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, uh, a couple of things you need to know. First of all, we are available on demand, uh, both the Stock Car Show and the other show that we do during the week on Monday nights that's live at 7 Eastern on Mondays here on Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. Both of those shows available on demand. Search Race Chaser Radio, Race Chaser Radio on iHeart, iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker. We are also on TuneIn. And we are working on Spotify as well. That should be literally any time now. So almost any of the major platforms you can find us or, of course, SoundCloud. That's where everything kind of generates from. Uh, You can go to SoundCloud and search Race Chaser Radio and get us on demand anytime you'd like. And please pick one of those and subscribe to it so you'll be notified automatically when new shows are available. We are going to be expanding our content greatly over the course of the next few months. A lot of shorter content and and up-to-the-minute content coming in the form of audio. Uh, So looking forward to all of that. And with that, we turn back to Don Smile and continue to talk about the business side of the sport and talking about how the cost has escalated and how the days of the primary single sponsor for a team or even possibly for the cup series. Now NASCAR has locked in. We should hasten to clarify Xfinity and the camping world truck series for a few more years, but um, cup series, we got monster in 19 and then NASCAR looking at, some sort of a multi-tiered, multi-sponsor platform. I love this idea because as you have pointed out, Don, and, and, and accurately, I think, it's worked well for the teams. It's basically been what saved a lot of the race teams, you know, bringing in two, three, even four sponsors um, that split the racing season up in some form or fashion. And NASCAR is a very big, deep, and wide machine. There, There are a million different ways to be involved with NASCAR. And so to the point that you made earlier, this is a way possibly to bring more companies in and say, okay, we've got four or five companies at 20 million versus, you know, one at 20 million, which we've got right now. At some point though, should we be concerned about the fact that we seem to not be able to get new teams into the sport at this point? I mean, you talked earlier about, you know, the age of, of, of a lot of the team owners and should we be concerned that we haven't got enough cup cars to fill the field and what do we do 
to to try to get new teams to come back into the sport again and get the numbers back up to give more drivers an opportunity. Wow, I wish I had the answer for that. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be more successful. Well, I guess um, from a marketing yeah. standpoint, though, I mean, we've got to make the cost lower at, at some point, right? I mean, is that ultimately has got to be the answer. You yeah, think? I, I think, you know, if you look at what happened recently with the charter system, I think the intent of that was to only have 36 cars. And I think that we're seeing that come to fruition. You know, the, the Is I, that wise, though? It, I think they're trying to reduce the number of teams um, to – increase the value of the sponsorship so you have fewer teams you have more opportunity for the existing partners to participate against those teams and so you don't have the need for as many sponsors so in some way there's some contraction that's happening and that's that's of a value to the teams um, to your point I think that should we be concerned absolutely we should be concerned I think the sport has is is out pricing its value against the sponsorship model yes. and uh, I, I, there's a lot of reasons for that when you have teams that are building Taj Mahals and they have 25 race engineers and they have you know it's just become um, it's not about and I hate to say this in my eyes it's not about the racing anymore you know and it's about building a corporation or building yeah. an empire and at some point, you've got to get back to what the basis of the sport is, which is racing. And if you are competitive, the sponsors will come. And, and you know, if you are able to give value against that sponsorship, you will retain those sponsors. Um, and certainly the way that you're creating those opportunities is changing as marketing in general is changing. And as corporations are looking at different ways to monetize what they're doing in the sport and say, how, what is the value associated with this? Where yeah. are we getting the return? Uh, and whether that's the social media space, whether it's television, whether it's with a team, whether whatever, I, I think that this new model actually uh, allows, I think, greater opportunity for success on the marketing side because it allows you to kind of pinpoint your marketing dollars in specific areas where you believe you're going to have the best opportunity and to test that against that without investing $50 million. And so you're able to then grow those partners. And the old saying in marketing is it's easier to grow the partners you have than to find new ones. Yeah. So if you can bring them in at a lower price point, prove the value associated with it, you can grow with them. Yeah. As opposed to having somebody stroke you a check for $50 million to start with or 40 or whatever you, the opportunity is. So if you can bring them in at $5 million and then move that up once they see the value of it and you can build that partnership as opposed to just asking somebody to write you a check. You know, we struggle with this a lot, you know, with some of the partners that I work with. Uh, it's, it's, you know, helping them understand where the value right. is. And um, a lot of that's an educational process. The danger that I see with, with where we're at in car count, when you, when you limit the number of cars at the top level, okay, we got 36 cars. And that's all NASCAR seems to want. They don't seem concerned by that. The problem is you've got dozens of drivers at the middle level and the, and, and the development level, the K&M Pro Series East, that type of level, that, that, are, that are trying to move up. And there are gonna be less, there's going to be less turnover to put in less opportunity for these drivers. And I think, I believe that kills short track racing because eventually what you see is a lot of these, these people get discouraged because there's nowhere for them to go because we're not turning things over rapidly enough. And there aren't expanding opportunities at the top level. I think it hurts the short tracks. And, and what I would like to see happen 
is I'd like to see NASCAR actually, in as they go into this multi-tiered model, I'd love to see them incorporate short track sponsorship back into the equation the way Winston did. Because I think if you can, if you can sort of trickle some of that, those dollars down and get more money at the short track and regional level, to me, it makes the whole sport better. If you're only going to have 36 cars at the top, let's get some other, uh, let, let's get some other levels involved. Yeah, I think there's a couple things that come to mind for me, uh, you know, having seen this sport evolve. One of the things that is troubling to me right now is the buyer ride syndrome that we have going on. Yeah, uh, I, I don't believe in that that uh, that that process that program. Um, you know, I, I I think that there, to your point, there are a lot of guys that are coming up through the series that are paying their dues. Yep, and they should not be uh, stepped over in favor of, of people who can bring a check. And the, unfortunately, the sport has positioned itself where the teams need that, uh, and, yeah. and then their their positioning is it's so a that's, business. that's a business yep. decision. Um, I don't know how we fix that. I, I don't see that in the foreseeable future until we find a way to, to your point, trickle down, uh, and the money has to be more evenly dis- distributed across the, the, the playing field for all the teams. Yep. So the other thing I think, too, that's destroyed a lot of that opportunity is that most every driver now coming up through the trucks or, or through the Xfinity series is in a hurry to be somewhere else. And when we were coming up, you were well, able true. you yeah. were able to spend some time in a developmental series. Um, you were able to then bring your partners along with you, develop them in that developmental series. You were able to grow a fan base against you as as a driver, and then carry that fan base with you. Yep. And ultimately, what comes along with that is your sponsor, because you have now value against your program because you have a, a, a loyal following. Yes. And, and those elements, and we've lost that where there is nobody's staying in the series long enough to develop themselves as a uh, a person that people want to follow. Very good point. And the sponsors then can't, to your point earlier, three, four years develop themselves in the space so that they can understand how to maximize their investment and then move that up. Yeah. And that was the model that we saw in the 80s and the early 90s. And uh, unfortunately, that's gone away. And I think it's greatly impacted the sport i agree with that 100 percent. you are so right about building that fan base and you know we used to have guys who made a great living running in the bush series you don't yeah. see that as much anymore you know it, it, it i think the whole thing it's almost like i feel like we may have to take a step back in order to go forward and i'm not sure that we've got the leadership at the top level that really thinks like that it, it i i it's going to be interesting to see what develops over the next few years as we go forward with all of this. With that, we step aside when we come back. Lightning round time, and we are going to have some fun. You are listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, 
or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. I'm Dalton Sargent. You're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. My name is Tom Baker. Joined in the Race Chaser studios at the roundtable by James Pike, Don Smile, and Jacob Seelman is behind the glass producing and also co-hosting and doing a fine job at both Cisco Scaramuza via the Race Chaser Skype line. And we are going into our lightning round. This is a rapid fire round generally, unless we have one hot button issue that we're talking about. But I think we kind of covered the ground with that one earlier with uh, the whole Kenseth Roush Trevor Bain issue. So Cisco, you're uh, like uh, jumping around there. So did you, did you have a question for us? I don't have a question, but I have a news item that came out of yesterday. Uh Oh, did I miss something? Uh, well, it's, it's more on the iRacing side of things, but oh. Jacob and uh, James's ears will perk up at this. So we had our fourth round of the cars esport tour that uh, went out last night. And, uh, one of the drivers who popped in there, and we've had a couple real-life drivers running in that series now between Corey Heim, Dawson Fletcher, a couple other guys. A, uh, a name popped in, one Gio Bromante, who uh, is looking to run. Okay. Gio. And that is significant because? 
You forget, Gio won the summer shootout title two years ago in the Young Lions oh, division. Okay. How quickly I, well, I how was, quickly we forget. I was trying to figure out where the significance was to this show. Um, Gio, probably more significant to the Monday show where we actually do that show from the summer shootout each year. Well, um, he, he's been running pro late models uh, with Anthony yes, Campy racing yes, the last year or yeah, so. Yeah. So the kid from New York getting it done. And my connection to this show is the fact that in that race on Wednesday, the guy who finished second, Corey Heim, who had a lot better of a race at Martinsville than he did at Orange County, where he ended up backwards in the fence. <laughs> so, I mean, it worked better on the virtual side for Corey. Okay, Jacob. I have news, like right. legitimate, like I get to do my voice. Breaking news. Oh, boy. What's up? Well, there's going to be an extra Gilliland in the Truck Series field at Dover because the boss is coming to play in the 54 truck. David and Todd Gilliland will become the latest father-son duo to take part in a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series event. David's driving the 54 okay. at Dover. Todd will be in the 4 and it'll be time to see if father or son is actually better. I think this may be the first time that they've actually competed in a touring or national series race against one another. I, see, I think that's kind of fun, Don, when that happens. Whenever you get a father and son, it's kind of like two brothers competing against each other. But in this case, Todd and David, I mean, you know, Todd has worked so hard to get to the level where he's right. at now. I mean... You know, yeah, people say, okay, well, he's going, he kind of had everything. Well, look, the, the kid has worked, it's like Harrison Burton. He, he's worked very, very hard. For him to run against his dad, I know, is a big deal to him. Right. And so it's kind of cool to see that that's going to get to happen because, of course, at Daytona, David had to drive for Todd because Todd wasn't old enough to run that race in the truck. Yeah, I mean, there's a long history of drivers uh, with, you know, fathers and sons sure. and brothers competing against each other in yep. NASCAR. And it's I think it's it's more uh, important for the fathers because, you know, they grow up. Absolutely. And they want to they pass that lineage on to their son. And, and, and if their son is or daughter is fortunate enough to, to find themselves in that position, then you know, what, what greater opportunity there is than to share that with your with your son or daughter. And I want to add to this as I officially pull my stat books out and go digging. It'll be the first time that Todd and David have raced against one another in a NASCAR-sanctioned event. They have run against each other one other time in a super late model race at Irwindale Speedway out in California. Point Todd. So the younger Gilliland is on the board. Daddy needs to do some work. Okay. That's intriguing. Uh, with that, let's uh, switch gears. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm just going to throw a little history in? tidbit in there. You, you know, uh, father, son, when um, Richard Petty won his very first race, he beat his father. Yes. Lee. Yeah. yeah. And, and Lee protested. Yes, protested him. Sure and, did. And the win was then rescinded and given to Lee. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah. father, son, doesn't matter. Racing is racing and well, you know, wins a win. Didn't so, much matter yeah. to Lee, that's for no, sure. No, it didn't. Bobby and Davey Allison, Dale Sr., Dale, Dale Jr., Jr., Richard and Kyle, uh, oh, yeah. Lee and Richard. I could go on all day, but yeah. I'll digress. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let's fire off the first lightning round question here. And I'm basically going to go around the table. And, and this is real simple here. We're, we're going to do a little bit of uh, crystal balling here uh, for a little while and talk about Talladega because, frankly, it's fun. Um, this, this is always pretty much, 
you know, you have the old phrase, 52-card pickup. You know, you <laughs> throw all 52 cards in the air, and whichever one hits the ground first, that's your card. I feel like you basically do the same thing at Talladega. You throw 36 cars or 40 cars, however many we start in the particular division we're running, in the air and pick you pick one or you just pick one out of a hat, and you got as good a chance as any. However, because we like to think we actually know something about uh, this sport, we're going to go around the table here and offer some, I'm doing air quotes here, folks, expert analysis here. Jacob Seelman, who wins the cup race at Talladega? The cup race. The I cup was race. glad you said that because if it was going to be the Xfinity race, I was going to have a much harder time with that. The cup <laughs> race, I think, actually is going to be pretty simple. It's going to be a Ford because Ford has won like six of the last eight races at Talladega, and they've just been on a roll. And you look at the guys who swept Talladega for two years running. It's Team Penske. In this case, I'm not going to go with the guy who has five Talladega wins, though Brad Keselowski is usually a safe bet. I'm going to go with the guy who had the absolute best car in the Daytona 500 and just could not quite close the deal. I think he gets revenge. Ryan Blaney, who also unveiled a pretty sweet throwback scheme this week for Darlington later in the year. Ryan Blaney wins the cup race on Sunday. Okay, Cisco Scaramuza, do you agree or disagree? Are you buying or selling Ryan Blaney? Uh, I'll buy Ryan Blaney because I think it's a good pick, but personally... I like that two car. Brad K gets it done. <laughs> so he bought it, then sold it right away. I, uh, I bought. I, I bought both. Okay. So Brad Keselowski for Cisco. James Pike. I like Jacob's redemption theme here, but I'm not quite sure it's with Blaney. I'm going to go with the guy who, in his last four races at Talladega, has an average finish of 11th. And that wasn't even in the car he's currently in, which we know is a lot better. Redemption for the 500? Yes. How about Eric Almarola to win on Sunday? He's it's, a pretty good play racer now. It's How about f- Eric Almarola spinning Austin Dillon to win it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, please. Well, there would be the revenge right there. Uh, and Austin would see it coming, no doubt. Uh, okay. So, Don Smile, we've had Ford, Ford, and Ford. You like it a Yoda or a Chevy, or are you staying with the theme? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy Ford. Um, I think uh, the the stats speak for themselves, and I'm gonna double down with Jacob. I, I think Brad K gets it done. Brad is a thinking. Well, Jacob man. picked Blaney. You're I'm doubling sorry. down with Cisco. Cisco, Cisco, yeah, yeah. Cisco, Cisco picked um, Brad K. Yeah, my fault. Um, I, I think Brad has turned into a really methodical plate guy. He's a smart guy, and uh, he I think he gets it done. Well, okay, so that leaves me. And I will remind everyone in this room and Cisco that back in February of 2011, I made a pick on a radio show, still have video to prove it, that Trevor Bain was going to win the Daytona 500, and he did. So y'all know what I'm going to do here. I'm not picking Trevor Bain, um, even though that would be a really I would love to see him win just to watch. You uh, are not brave enough to do that. No, I well, I'm just not feeling it. In fact, I don't feel a Ford at all. I'm, no, not at all. I'm going to tell you who I'm feeling this weekend, and it is not a Ford driver and it is not a Toyota driver. It is a Chevy driver. It is a driver who would be like Ryan Blaney, a first-time winner this year. And in fact, 
it would be his first ever cup win. If you say Chase Elliott, I'm going to throw something at you. Well, save it because I'm not going with Chase. Good. Bubba Wallace to win in the 43, thank you. This is the exactly the type of track that Bubba, with his typical go-to-the-front driving style, could be very successful at. And I think because it's a plate track, you saw the speed that the RCR cars had at Daytona. At that time, it was Bubba's first race with Petty. Since then, you've seen the performance continue to escalate for the most part. Not always the results, but certainly the performance. I think because this is a crapshoot, guys, I think Bubba Wallace goes to Talladega and wins the cup race and shocks the racing world. And let me tell you, how popular would that be in Talladega if the King's car pulls into victory lane with old Bubba behind the wheel? And not only that, but I want to add to that, by the way, that it's a throwback to the 1980s look. With the Petty Blue oh, yeah, and the that's STP right. Red, I think eighty-three. Right. Yeah, yeah. They, they've got uh, the Medallion Bank and Petty's Garage on the car this weekend. Yep. And Bubba has had fun designing these red and blue cars this year. He's getting really good at it. Yeah, I think uh, I think Bubba goes and gets it done. Well, but... my dark horse is going to be uh, uh, Paul Menard, and the only reason I say that <laughs> is because <laughs> the Wood Brothers run very well at the plate races. They have a history there, and because I would love to see the forty-three and twenty-one end up one two okay so actually don went exactly where i was going next and and read my mind so dark horse pick jacob seelman wow this has to be somebody who has not won a race yet okay not won a race ever or not won a race this year ever ever oh ever oh well which i guess throws out paul menard but we'll allow that oh and let me just say that that paul menard victory would be the wood brothers 100th win yeah that would be pretty and this would be a track that could happen Okay, so, wow, first-time winner ever. I'm going to go with the same guy that I said was going to be a dark horse on this network when we first brought up Talladega, actually. Matt DiBurrito, or DiBenedetto, (laughs) if you don't know him by his food nickname. I like that 32 car. That 32 car has always been good in the draft. DiBenedetto's got a top 10 in the Daytona 500, and I like his chances if he can stay out of the big one. Okay, uh, James Pike. I'm going to go back to the numbers, back to the average finish. Best driver who in recent races is a strong average finish at Talladega of 12th and doesn't have a win. Maybe fitting, giving some of the guys we talked about already in this segment. Ty Dillon in the 13th. Wow. Woof. Wow, that is a dark horse there. No offense to Ty. I'd love to see that happen. I'm just not feeling that one, but mine probably is about as dark as it that when I yeah. get to it. Cisco. Uh, I got to go with the uh, who has the most teammates, at least as far as one organization goes, to help him. And cars that have been fast as of late. Oh, because his teammates won three times. How about Eric Jones? Yeah. Oh, that's a really nice Star Horse pick. I'm actually going back to the Fords for this one, and I'm going way off the page, although it's not as far as you would think if you pay attention to what's gone on in recent years. McDriver? McDriver, Michael yes. McDowell in the front row motorsports car because David Reagan has already done it, and the front row equipment for this race is exactly the same as the Roush Fenway equipment from tip to tail. So this could be very interesting to watch. Having worked with Michael, that would be a, a, a good thing. I yeah. Think he's a, he's and a great guy. God, I can't think many people that would that would be uh, unhappy about it. I th- yeah, very. I think it'd be a very popular victory. So yeah, lots of uh, the Talladega is just so much fun because it's a wild card. 
you know, we all have our issues with necessarily the pack racing or whatever, and you, well, that's a, a, a discussion for a, a different time. But should be fun this weekend. We hope it's safe. And uh, certainly, Jacob, uh, this this is the time for you to throw the checkered and close us out of here. Yes, it is. Thanks, as always, to Bob Steele, Sue Mason, and all the fine folks at the Performance Motorsports Network that help us to make this show possible and keep it on the air. Uh, it's been fun. It's been wild. It's been fast. And we look forward to being back on the air every Thursday night on Spreaker and PMN, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that is how you find us for Cisco Scaramuza, James Pike, our special guest Don Smile, and the incomparable host over there, Tom Baker. I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks, and we might just see you at the racetrack. Have a safe racing weekend. Good night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated. And may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.